Merry Christmas, Mamas. This is Delighted Motherhood, a podcast devoted to delighting ourselves in the Lord and in our callings as moms. I'm your host, Kira Nelson. I hope you are really enjoying some cozy read out louds or cookie making with your littles. I think 25 degree days, which is about how cold it is when I woke up this morning around the holiday, just call for tea time and puzzles. I think this time of year with my kids is really fun. Uh, This morning, Daniel walked all around our house selecting all manner of things to give as Christmas gifts uh, from used books to plants that he wanted to put into gift bags. Uh, One of our friends, Connie, was off of work, so we got to do a multiple stroller run to get hot chocolates, which was really fun. We're wrapping presents and singing carols with our little neighbor friends and just generally really enjoying ourselves. But sometimes this time of year can be harder for all of us. Even under perfectly normal circumstances, there are all kinds of stressors at Christmas time. Whether we're traveling with toddlers and we're totally out of our rhythm and routine, or we're dealing with tense extended family dynamics, or we're just staying home and we're away from family and feeling lonely, there can be a lot of things that are really challenging. And that's not even considering the incredibly painful circumstances many of us may be in. Whether we're grieving the loss of someone we love so very much, or we're suffering from a severed relationship, Christmas can be the best time of year, but it can also feel like the worst time of year. As mommies, what do we do when our painful circumstances seem excessive or pointless? To begin to wrestle with that question today, we're going to be spending some time with three incredible women, three incredible spiritual mamas, who were all in very different life circumstances. These three women are Elizabeth, the mother of John the Baptist, Mary, the mother of Jesus, and Anna, the prophetess at the temple. Now, these women were not available for an interview in the traditional sense. So instead, we'll be looking at sections from Luke, um, the Gospel of Luke, Jesus' birth narrative there. Each woman was in a different stage of life, and each experienced unique challenges, and each got to participate in the miraculous birth of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, in a particularly significant way. I hope that by spending some time with these three ladies today, we'll be encouraged to remember that regardless of our circumstances, God is the one who is writing our story, and he invites us to delight in him and in his miraculous salvation the way that these three women did. I'm excited to look at these moms of Christmas, so let's get into it, and let's start with Elizabeth. I'm going to be reading from Luke chapter 1, verses 5 through 7, 13 through 17, and 24 through 25. In the days of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah of the division of Abijah, and he had a wife from the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and the statutes of the Lord. But they had no child, because Elizabeth was barren, and both were advanced in years. Jumping to 13. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you will call his name John. 
and you will have joy and gladness and many will rejoice at his birth for he will be great before the Lord. And then jumping to verse 24. After these days, his wife Elizabeth conceived, and for four months, or for five months, she kept herself hidden, saying, Thus the Lord has done for me in the days when he looked upon me to take away my reproach from among the people. So Luke tells us some interesting and important facts about Elizabeth. First, we see that she's married to Zechariah the priest and that she's described as a daughter of Aaron. So that means that Elizabeth herself is probably from a priestly family. She would have had ample access to the scriptures and likely a rich heritage of faith in God. Both she and Zechariah are described as righteous before the Lord as walking blamelessly in all the commandments and the statutes of the Lord. So this is a woman who loves God and who has walked faithfully. She's been diligent in her Christian life. Yet Elizabeth had lived with shame and disappointment. She's advanced in years and she's barren. So at her holiday family gatherings, Elizabeth would have constantly been reminded that she was the one that didn't have a baby. She was the one that couldn't bear a family. And in her ancient Middle Eastern context, this would have been devastating and could have even been looked upon by some as a consequence of her sin. When the angel speaks to Zechariah, he says that his prayers have been answered. This means that Elizabeth and Zechariah have been praying for a child likely for decades. So after all of that prayer, after all of that waiting, in her old age, the Lord chose Elizabeth to give birth to John the Baptist, the forerunner of the Messiah, Jesus Christ, foretold in Isaiah and described as the greater Elijah. God used Elizabeth's barrenness, her pain, the suffering of her circumstances to prepare her to miraculously conceive John the Baptist. I think it's also helpful to note here that righteousness and faithfulness do not necessarily lead to material blessing or to physical happiness. Elizabeth was righteous, yet she was unable to conceive for much of her life. Jesus would refer to Elizabeth's miracle baby, John, as one who is righteous, and yet John, on account of his faithfulness, would be beheaded in the prime of his life. Faithfulness does not mean we're going to always have everything go exactly the way that we want it to, right? I think that's really important for us to remember. But what we are promised is that if we remain faithful, we can have a relationship with the Lord and be a part of his grand narrative. Knowing the Lord is the greatest gift and the greatest blessing that any of us can hope for. Elizabeth was faithful despite years of heartache and disgrace. And God chose this faithful woman to play an integral part in the miracle of Jesus's birth. So now let's look at her cousin, Mary. I'm going to read from Luke 26 through 33 and then verse 38. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. 
But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what kind of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom, there will be no end. Verse 38, Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Aside from Jesus, Mary might be the best known character of the Christmas story. And who doesn't like Mary? There's so much about her to emulate. From the Bible, specifically from Luke, what do we learn about this young woman at the time that the angel came to her? Well, one, she's betrothed, engaged, if you will, to a man who was from the house of David. Two, she's from a small, obscure town called Nazareth. So she's not a fancy or a noble person. She's likely very young, but even in her short life, she's already demonstrated a heart of faithfulness towards God. She was a person who pleased the Lord. The angel says, greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. The angel tells her that she is going to carry Jesus, who is going to sit on the throne of David and reign over an eternal kingdom. And Mary demonstrates obedience to the Lord by saying, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. What Mary submitted to was no small thing. In that moment, she gave up her reputation and the reputation of Joseph. People would gossip about the birth of Jesus for her entire life. And Mary wasn't even sure if Joseph was going to stay betrothed to her. To Mary, who had lived so faithfully, this scandal would have been a painful thing to bear. I also think it's noteworthy to see that the text tells us that the angel came to her before she was pregnant. Now, as a person who's been pregnant three times, I can tell you that I do not think pregnancy is short. (laughs) It feels really long. And in the course of that time, Mary had to trust the Lord and rely on him to pull her through the pain and the panic of a potentially broken betrothal to a godly man. And the last woman that I want us to consider is Anna the prophetess. When Jesus is about two months old, Mary and Joseph take him to Jerusalem to be presented uh, to God at the temple. And this is where we get to meet Anna. I'm going to read from Luke 2, 36 through 38. And there was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel, of the tribe of Asher. She was advanced in years, having lived with her husband seven years from when she was a virgin, and then as a widow until she was 84. She did not depart from the temple, worshiping with fasting and prayer night and day. And coming up at that very hour, she began to give thanks to God and to speak of him to all who were waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. So even though Anna likely did not have physical children, based on the description here, I'm going to argue that Anna certainly would have had spiritual children within the family of God, and that she is certainly somebody that we as moms can and should emulate. 
Anna has been widowed for more than 60 years, which would have put her in a very vulnerable position in that society. But she has chosen to spend her life, to spend her time worshiping the Lord day and night. And so this is a lady that, again, knew the scriptures inside and out. And this familiarity with God's word prepared her to recognize the Messiah and to proclaim his coming to all who were near. To Anna, being delighted in the Lord isn't a side hobby or something she just does around the holidays. She is completely invested. And God graciously gave her the opportunity to come up at that very moment to see Jesus. Just imagine this with me. Anna, after serving for most of her life in the temple, but as a woman, never being allowed into the Holy of Holies, she actually gets to look at God's face. She actually gets to look into Jesus's eyes. It is no surprise then that she turns and she speaks about the child to everyone. She had a boldness, an eagerness, a yearning to declare the Lord's mighty work. Elizabeth had always wanted to have a child. Mary was just at the beginning of her life and it was turned upside down. Anna was at the end of her life. She had lived as a widow for decades and had found all of her joy in the life that the Lord had given her. She wanted to share with everyone her joy in God. And God re rewarded that by letting her see the Savior of the world. Anna got to look at the face of God and feel his love for her. Each of these women had two things in common. They were faithful through their hardship, through the circumstances that God gave them. And God chose them to participate in the most pivotal moment in history, the incarnation of the Son of God. So what does it look like for us to be faithful? Whether we are in a happy season or a hard season, we are to seek him first. Elizabeth was barren, and so she prayed, likely for decades. Mary submitted to the Lord's decree for her life, even though it was painful. And Anna, though she was widowed as a young woman, decided to devote her entire life to worship and to praise. What is the driving force of these women? It's the Lord. They loved him, they served him, and he used them for his glory. The Lord does not call us to occasionally consider his ways, but in all of our ways to consider him. In every detail, in every struggle, in every part of life, make the Lord Jesus Christ, the incarnate Savior, your Lord. He will delight to make us faithful as he did these precious women of old. These ladies committed themselves to the Lord and did his work. I think sometimes I can spend a lot of time navel-gazing when I'm stressed out, right? I can start thinking about myself or my own kids or the annoying thing that somebody said to me. And I'm not thinking as much about others, but I'm really just thinking about myself. But what I think God says to me, like he said to Elizabeth and to Mary and to Anna, is don't look to me or don't look to yourself. Don't look at your own circumstances. Look instead to me and look at how you can serve others. 
Anna literally spent decades selflessly serving. So as we're going into the last few days before this holiday, I want to leave us with this traditional English poem that I have always found really, really encouraging. So here it goes. From an old English parsonage down by the sea, there came in the twilight a message to me. Its quaint Saxon legend, deeply engraven, hath, it seems to me, a teaching from heaven. And on through the doors, the quiet words ring like a low inspiration, do the next thing. Many a questioning, many a fear, many a doubt have its quest quieting here. Moment by moment, let down from heaven, time, opportunity, and guidance are given. Fear not tomorrow, child of the king. Trust them to Jesus and do the next thing. Do it immediately. Do it with care. Do it reliantly, casting all care. Do it with reverence, tracing his hand, who placed it before thee with earnest command. Stayed on omnipotence, safe neath his wing. Leave all the results. Do the next thing. Looking for Jesus, ever serener. Working or suffering, be thy demeanor. In his dear presence, the rest of his calm, the light of his countenance, be thy psalm. Strong in his faithfulness, praise and sing. Then, as he beckons thee, do the next thing. Oh, my friends, in the hectic chaos that can be Christmas as mommies, I'm praying that we'll look to Jesus. I don't want to be focused on my own problems and frustrations. I want to look to Jesus and I want to do the next thing. Whether I'm vacuuming or driving or disciplining, whatever I'm doing, whatever my circumstance, I'm praying that I can look to Jesus. He is the author and the perfecter of my faith. And he calls me to delight in him regardless of the circumstance. So Merry Christmas, my friends. I hope you have a wonderful holiday with family and with friends and particularly celebrating with other Christians. And until next time, sisters, may God help us to delight in him as we delight in the calling that he is giving us.